And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry, man. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Masked Avenger. Uh, This is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, Jack Carson stars in a tale well calculated to keep us in suspense. Then Bob Hastings stars in a radio adaptation of Bob Montana's famous comic strip, Archie Andrews, from 1950. With me to help present these radio classics is my executive producer and engineer, Mike Costello. What's up, Mike? Hey, how's it going, Carl? I am good. Are you ready to listen to a tale well calculated to keep us in suspense? Always. You know, suspense is probably the best mystery series of all time. It was on the air like 20-something years Nearly a thousand radio broadcasts and every major movie star appeared on suspense. They all wanted to do suspense because it was so high quality, had such great writing and the producing and the directing. They had the best talent on that show and full orchestra. Um, and it was done at CBS. It was like, you know, great time slot Thursday night, like seven o'clock or eight o'clock, something like that. So um, everybody wanted to do it. And you know, the cool thing about it, too, is they would sometimes take comedians like Jack Benny and uh, Phil Harris and Bob Hope, and they would have them play dramatic roles. Those are the most interesting episodes They really to are. Me. Well, we're going to listen to one right now because Jack Carson really is known as a comedian. And here he plays a, uh, you know, a serious role on suspense. This one is called The One Millionth Joe. It's from June 22nd, 1950. Here's part one of Suspense. Autolite and its 96,000 dealers present Suspense. Tonight, Autolite brings you The One Millionth Joe, a suspense play produced and edited by William Spear and starring Mr. Jack Carson. I'm Al Jazant. From A to Z in public relations is how I bill myself. And there was this stunt which I dreamed up for the Bureau of Better Business Promotion to pay off the 4th of July weekend. But I hadn't counted on the fireworks, which in this case was a big 45 jammed in the middle of my back. And now, with the one millionth Joe and the performance of Jack Carson, Autolite hopes once again to keep you in... Suspense! Yes, I'm Al Jazant, like I said. I... I started to tell you about this publicity stunt I dreamed up for the Bureau of Better Business Promotion. Well, me and some businessmen with a few reporters, cameramen, and such were out at the airport. Transworld Argus, flight 24 from Chicago. Transworld Argus, flight 24. Now, come on, come on, gang. This will be at gate five. Well, come on, growling fellas, boys and girls. Hey, Tiny, you got that camera hot? You got your oranges, Mr. Wilder? Yeah, I still think that three-piece band looks paltry, Sant. That paltry schmaltry, Mr. Wilder. What we care about is newspaper coverage. Now, now, stand back when they start coming also through the gate. Also arriving, gate 
five passengers from the Bobcat line. Flight 16 from Houston. Well, another plane. Is this a horse race or is this a horse race? Boy, oh boy. I declare I'm all over goosebumps. That the plane you chartered, Algie, for all his relatives you're ringing in? I'll lay off. This deal's on the level. Who are you uh, kidding? Uh, he takes his cut coming and going. Lay off. Hey, hey, here they come, so stand back. You count, Wilder, and me and Mr. Allen will nab it. Now, the last number was uh, 999,990. Uh, Ten to go. Okay. 991, 992, 993. Well, if I have to say so myself, I'm a pretty smooth operator. At this moment, I had one client, the Bureau of BBP. And the stud I dreamed up for them was a honey. This was the setup. Nab the one millionth Joe through the airport, be he male, female, or what have you, and give this lucky character a 24-hour whirl in the house. Pictures, prizes, tickets to this and that. And all the businesses had chipped in, and it was a good fat kitty. And it worked out to be near the 4th of July, which was a great tie-in. So now, a herd of passengers was stampeding through gate five from two planes. The big Chicago plane and the little one from Houston. And all unbeknownst to them, lightning was about to strike. 996. Hey, ain't this exciting, fellas, huh? Oh, yeah, really. Well, ain't it? 997. Hey, it's going to be that good. 998. That guy in the gray hat's moving up there. 999. Hey, stand back, will you? Hey, hey, you watch it, mister. Oh, Joe. Oh, my oh, shins. Stupid hey. ape, watch where you're going. Well, go on, go on, if you're in such a hurry. Hey, and the guy wins. He knocked the gal out of the running. One million. That's him. I, I, I want to What do you want? Who are you? Uh, look over here, mister. Over here. Look this way. What Get is this, anyway? Get Hang the flowers around his neck. Oh, please. Let go. You've made a mistake. Let go. No, no, look. They, they can't get pictures when you jump around like that. I don't want my picture taken. Let go. How's this, Crowley? Mister, unbeknownst to you, you are the one millionth passenger to walk through these Let gates. Let me go or I'll... As guest of the Bureau of BBP, from now on until the 4th of July, your hotel is paid for. Oh. You will visit the lion farm. And, uh, mister, uh, hold still. Pick, pick on someone else. I don't want anything. You, you will lunch with a motion picture star, eat at a world-famous restaurant, be the recipient of many free gifts gratis. A mink sling cape, two dozen sports shirts, 2,000 cans of dog food, a free airplane pass anywhere in the whole wide world. What? Aha. Something strikes your fancy. An airplane pass to, uh, say, Brazil? Sure, sure. You name it. Yes, sir? Even to the romantic land of your dreams south of the border. Now, sir, what uh, what is your name? I'm A.D. Thompson. And uh, where are you from, Mr. Thompson? Uh, Missouri. Businessman? Missouri. Yes, rugs. Retired. Uh, did you and plane to hear from Chicago or from Houston, Mr. Thompson? Uh, Houston. Hold up one of these oranges, Mr. Thompson, and huh? tuck the crate under your arm. Oh. And smile. Smile. That's it. Uh, snap a tiny. Got it. On behalf of the Great Valley Citrus Company, it gives me pride and pleasure to present you. So how was I to know that the trouble was giving me the leer? He looked surefire. Mr. A.D. Thompson, middle-aged, middle-sized, middle-ugly. Mr. John Q. Public himself. Well, in the meantime, that blonde, the one Mr. Thompson had rammed out of line on the other side of the gate, she'd been standing by listening. She was a tall, rangy, good-looking blonde, and, well, all of a sudden she moved in on me. 
You running this powwow, Buster? By rights, all those prizes belong to me. Oh, now, honey, play fair. Mr. Thompson here sideswiped me or I would have come through the gate ahead of him. Technically, miss, Mr. Thompson came through first. Look, my shin hurts and I don't like being shoved around. Win or lose, I can make trouble, Buster. I can sue you cross-eyed and you know it. Uh, that, that you can. Uh, that, that she can, Mr. Wilder. I say that the Bureau gets sued, you'll be... Hey, well, now, miss, now, the Bureau wants to be perfectly fair and square with you, only I don't see hey, how... Hey, in most contests where there's a tie, they have to give duplicate prizes, Mr. Wilder. Yeah, thanks a lot. Hey, yes, that's right, we'll give duplicate prizes. Uh, well, that's hey, more so... like Okay, okay, music, boys! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the press, we have a Miss One in a Million also. Tell the boys your name, honey, where you're from, and what you think of sunny California. Well, I'm Vera Valerie. I've lived all over. Just flew in from Chicago. Been singing in a place out there. A canary, boy. Oh, and I think California's just wonderful. Give us a big smile, Miss Valerie. Yeah. Thank you. This way, Miss Valerie. a girl. Where's the guy with the grapefruit? So the, the doll was declared in, which was okay by me. In fact, every time she said hello, it was plain old nuclear fission with me. Uh, but that's, that's not strictly a part of this story. Well, anyhow, fr- from the airport, I carted Thompson and Vera Valerie to the hotel diplomat where I lived myself. On a do-bill. There was considerable yammer about that extra free room gratis for Vera, but finally, the manager coughed up another single. Uh, there were some hours to kill before we could go out to the lion farm, so I took a cold shower, made a few calls, and then wended my way to the Whispering Palm. Well, high time, Buster. I'm three up on yeah, you. Well, I got problems now. Henry, Henry, bring me a Parsons pitfall. Hey, how they treating you, honey? What's the number of your room? Um, four-something. Four-twelve, four-twenty. Well, I know it's the fourth floor. Uh, well, that I'll check. Yeah, I, I got headaches with this stunt, but <laughs> you're worth it, doll. Oh, I'll bet. When I barged into the act, you wanted to wring my neck. No, no, no. I was only figuring how I could swing the whole show for you without Thompson. Oh, sweet. <laughs> well, since Wilder's promised double prizes... Yeah, but I got to deliver on Big Mouth's promises, and the fur joint says, one make cape, period. Oh. Also... France World told me they aren't serving double passes to Brazil this season. But Thompson doesn't look like the mink coat type to me. We, we can give him the... Oh, but Dal, it was a trip that you wanted. Oh, forget it. Only why is Thompson so anxious to get the pass? Well, I don't know. Look, Buster, I bought the newspapers. Did you read this? Texas police hunt ruthless killer. Yeah, I noticed the headline. Why? Read the story. What? Right. Sheriff's Office, Pikesville, Texas, reported discovery of two murdered men. Highway 26, 12 miles northeast of town. Dead men, members of gang who held up Arcana Oil Company's offices in Pikesville. I I don't get the drift. Pikesville's near Houston, isn't it? Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Police believe they were double-crossed by third member of gang who shot them, making off with entire loot from robbery. Notice how Thompson hung on to that briefcase? Nearly $100,000 in large denomination bills. Wow. The serial numbers are so, 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 so. No description of killer available. Interesting. You got something. He wouldn't want to spend any of those bills here, but in Brazil. Do we tip off the cops? One hundred grand. 
Huh? Here, no, no, not yet. Uh, let me handle this, doll. I'll stall him on that pass to Brazil till we know for sure. You, um, you wouldn't make a deal with him, would you, Buster? Who, me? Well, that wouldn't be ethical. Well, we gotta have proof, honey. Now, admit it, we gotta have proof. Which was the truth, but not quite the whole truth. That, that I now admit. You see, the thought of that 100 G's had sent me into a spin, and I wanted time to figure out how I could cut in on those sweet, crisp dineros. If I could prove that Thompson was my man. Well, that afternoon, Thompson kind of played right into my hands. We were out to the lion farm. The boys were snapping pictures of Vera cuddling the king of beasts when Thompson, clutching that briefcase, pulled me off the one side. No more pictures of me, Zant. And keep the ones they took at the airport out of the papers. Keep them? Say, that wouldn't be ethical. What do you mean? Well, no paper's going to print two pictures on this stunt, and... <laughs> no offense, Thompson, but whose puss would you choose if he was a desk man? Yours or Vera's? Which held him for the nuts. And I had one more angle on Mr. T. That he was afraid somebody somewhere would know him from his picture. Well, that evening, we were in for Mike Romanoff's and Ceros and Slapsy Maxies. And for such a world, I always dress up like a dog's dinner. So I went up to my room to change. Come in, Zant. Close the door. Well, Thompson, what are you doing here? Waiting for me? Hey, you're not going to Romanoff's dress like... I'm not going out this evening. Yeah? Okay. It's no skin off me if you buy your own dinner. How soon do I get that ticket? Ticket, chum? To Brazil. How soon can I leave? Well, I guess there are flights every day to Mexico, and from there to Brazil... Get my ticket for tomorrow night. Well, now, that's one of the prizes that you and Vera got to toss for you. See, Get that ticket tomorrow. Give her the mink cake, give her anything, everything. But I want that airplane pass. Oh, oh, oh. it's clear you want it, but... I want it, and I'm going to have it. Huh? Would, uh, would you have a little deal in mind? Deal? Or words to that effect. Maybe, or maybe not. Get the ticket, and we'll talk. But deal or not, Zant, there's nothing I won't do to get that pass. Do you understand? Nothing. I understand. Nothing. So I showed Vera the town that night, along with some reporters, and without the truculent Mr. T. As I told Thompson, it was no skin off me if he bought his own dinner. Anyway, I was, I was real glad that Vera and I could finish that evening alone. It was a last night spot scheduled, and therefore, on the cut. The place was jumping, and the newsboys was having a high old time. Garson! Garson, another round of drinks, sir. That's a way to talk about you, boys. How about champagne? Yeah, you don't want the bureau. Cheap, how's it, boy? What about my dance with Miss Valerie? Well, I'm willing and waiting. Now, now, wait, wait up, boys. While you're still sober and able to listen. Speed, speed, speed. I got an announcement to make. You ought to all be at the airport tomorrow night for France World's part in this stunt. The free pass. Uh, where to, Al? Who's going? The Al-Z, free Al-Z, pass it is, but I want you boys to have a little suspense. Just be at the airport from 10 p.m. on. One or another of our two winners will be taking off for parts unknown, but who or where to, you got to be there to see. Hey, Buster, you didn't tell me Yeah, well, yet. come on, Vera. Let's let you and me bunny hug. A drink up, you mugs, and don't be bashful about asking for more of the same. But, Buster, you haven't... Come on, Vera. Oh, Buster, tell me. Now, come on, doll. Just snuggle up and dance. 
I, um, I saw you and Thompson huddling at the lion farm. Yeah, well, he was telling me that he's camera shy. Oh, he is, is he? Uh, but later in my room, Thompson showed his teeth. Said I should hand over that pass to Brazil or else. Oh, look, we gotta tip off the cops. Well, sure, honey, as soon as we got proof. Proof? Yeah. This phony blows in from Houston, clutching a briefcase to his breast, nearly blows his top when you pick him out of the crowd until you mention an airplane pass. It's not and... enough. Not enough? Look... If I call in the cops and Thompson turns out to be only a gink with a screw loose, I'm in trouble. Capital T trouble. You gotta see my side. Then what are you doing to get more proof? Ah, that's where you come in, Beauty. You think you could get Thompson to flash some of that dough, if he has it? Come again? Well, uh, figure out some way to make him show his money. See if it comes out of the briefcase and if it's in big denomination bills. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Well, tackle him first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning, I'll get the ticket. Then the first chance we get, we compare notes. And if what I find out adds up... Then you be packed and ready to leave tomorrow night. To Brazil? Maybe I want to go later. And maybe I want to go to Honolulu. Maybe. After the spouting I just did to the reporters, somebody's got to be in that plane or bluey my stunt. Which, so far as this story goes, wound it up for that night. A doll girl. Was she ever the deluxe type? I freely admit, she rocked me. Yeah, well, come morning, I was up with the birds or thereabouts. I checked and found out that Verda had lassoed Mr. Thompson for breakfast. Huh? So far, so good. So I hustled myself down to Transworld and got the ticket. A long green strip of confetti. Real and return. Then the big day commenced and Thompson came along. No doubt to keep an eye on me. So me and Vera weren't able to huddle until some hours later on a soundstage out at Colossus Pictures. Uh, when they've got this shot lined up, I'll introduce you folks to Vincent. He's the director. I'm producing this. Uh, Mr. Thompson, did you say you were in rug? Uh, yes, uh, retired. Uh, the rug we use in this set might interest you. I That's a good idea, re- Arthur. Give the rug a once-over, Mr. T. Uh, this way, Mr. Thompson. You see in a picture of the producer. Buster, I got him to show me his money. Yeah? Out of the briefcase? Yeah. He took the briefcase along to breakfast. How'd you work it? Well, I ordered everything I could see on the menu. Yeah, yeah. And when the waiter brought our check, it was almost 16 bucks. Oh, oh, oh. fish around in my purse and said, how perfectly awful. I've only got $1.75 to my name. You will have to pay the check, Mr. T, and let me pay you back. <laughs> well, the waiter was standing off giving us a cold eye. So Thompson unzips his briefcase a couple of inches and fishes out a $500 bill. Five seats. I could have died. Stared till I was bug-eyed trying to read the serial number. And Buster, you're going to be proud of me. The number was C-124-0653. What? You remember the whole number? Yeah. I got a mind for numbers. Never forgot a phone number or an address. What are you looking at? Hmm? Oh, this is the list of serial numbers. Uh, Say that number again, doll. C-124-0653. That's that's it. One of the bills from the Pikesville holdup. You know, yeah, but if the hotel got it, they may check. Now, they don't have it. All of a sudden, Thompson grabbed the bill back and said, we don't have to pay for breakfast. That's part of the prize. We're rolling. Quiet, quiet, please. So Mr. T thinks he can play rough with me, eh? One hundred grand. So now will you call the quiet cops? Well, not so fast, honey. You said you'd let me handle this. Quiet, to figure out something. Shut up before I have you thrown out. Which is how they sometimes treat us flax in Hollywood. And us, the backbone of the industry. Yeah, well, that's pictures. But I let it ride this time since it got me out of a tight squeeze with Vera. You see, 
This is how I had it figured. I'd put it up to Thompson what I knew. Then if he didn't cut me in for a healthy slice of a hundred G's, there was always the cops, from whom there was undoubtedly a big reward. That way I could play for the big money and still hedge my bet. But I, I put it this way to Vera. I said, look, look, dream girl, you'll be ready to leave, that's all. Uh, what time does the plane take off, did you say? Why, uh, 11.40. We ought to leave here by 11. And what happens to Thompson, Buster? Well, I'll, I'll get everything set for a quiet pinch just after we leave. It'll, it'll louse up the stunt, doll, if it gets out that the Bureau picked a hood for this world. I, I gotta protect my client, you understand? Oh, sure, Buster. I understand. That's the first portion of Suspense. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Sarah Knight Adamson. I'm the national film critic for the website sarahsbackstagepass.com. I'm a member of the Broadcast Film Critics Association in L.A. and a voting member of the Critics' Choice Film Awards. Coming up next, you'll hear a film review of a movie that's playing near you. Ocean's 8. It's rated PG-13. It's the female's answer to the three previous Ocean Heist movies. It's hard to believe that the first one opened in 2001. This one stars Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett, and Anne Hathaway as the leads. The setting is the Met Gala, the Metropolitan Art Museum's fundraiser for their Costume Institute. The girls plan to rob a necklace valued at $150 million and then, of course, split the money. Let's take a listen. Do you know this one? Debbie Ocean, convicted felon. Her brother, Danny Ocean... More convicted felon. She was present on the night of the incident. In the director's chair is Gary Ross of one of my all-time favorite films, Pleasantville, in 1998. He also has screenplay credit. Here's another clip. We would like to present you all with a hypothetical situation. How hypothetical? Not very, unless we screw up. It's called the Toussaint. It's over six pounds of diamonds. Valued at over a hundred million dollars. One hundred and fifty million, actually. <laughs> and we are going to rob it. The bottom line: I'm in three stars out of four. Ocean's Eight is a glam caper at heart, along with enjoyable eye candy for fans of New York City. It provides a smart, glitzy, comical film to savor and enjoy. The clothes alone, yeah, those are worth the price of admission. The only drawback is the underdeveloped narrative for all of the co-stars. Check out all of my reviews and interviews on sarahsbackstagepass.com. See you next week. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now let's get back to Suspense. So Vera was set up to take Mr. Thompson's place if it was no deal with him. If it was a deal, then Thompson would fly off to Brazil, leaving me unexpectedly wealthy. I was sure Vera was a sensible type doll, not adverse to knowing a Joe who was in the chips. Well, along about 9.30, I went knocking at Thompson's door. Come in. Well, sir, another day of California sunshine. Oh, you got it. You, uh, you said we'd have another talk. Talk's cheap. All right, I'll level with you. I know your name isn't Thompson. 
I know why you didn't like being picked for this stunt. I know what's in that briefcase, and I know why you want to fly the coop. Huh? You, uh, spoke yesterday about a deal. Yeah. How much? Fifty. Fifty dollars? Don't play footsie with me, Thompson. Fifty grand. Fifty thousand dollars. Fifty thousand dollars? Hot money like that, I'll have to trade off at a discount. But you'll be in Brazil getting your money's <laughs> worth. Dollar for dollar. <laughs> just take your briefcase, Mr. T, and just, unzip... Just what do you think I have in this briefcase? I don't think. I know. Look... I'll tell you who I am and why. All about it. Time's a waste, Mr. Thompson. In ten minutes, I call the cops. My name's Kirkwood. I came on the Chicago plane, not the one from Houston. Ah, Vera was on the Chicago plane. She never saw you. I came to Los Angeles to kill myself, Mr. Zant. To kill myself in such a way that I could never be identified. I'm going blind. I'll be totally blind six months from now. Oh, come now, really. What are you giving me, Thompson? Five years. For five years, I went to eye specialists, New York, Philadelphia, Canada, spent every cent I had trying to find a cure. Look, I got no time to brandish words with you. Then I heard of this one doctor, a Viennese refugee, lives in Rio. He's cured cases like mine, but my money was gone. Look, I'm going to fall. Oh, why don't you believe me? I have a daughter, Mr. Zant. All I can leave her is my insurance. I, I thought if I disappeared... If it could never be proved, I killed myself. That's why I didn't want to be recognized. That's why I grabbed for this wonderful chance, this free trip to Brazil. And the briefcase, Mr. T., what's in the briefcase? Dynamite. What? Dynamite? <laughs> I bet it's dynamite. You're some joker, Thompson. Were you going to kill yourself with dynamite? So I couldn't be identified, yes. Oh, oh, oh. Let me see the dynamite, Mr. T., the crisp green dynamite. Don't touch that briefcase, Zant. Buster, I've been turning the place inside out to find you. Uh, Vera, uh, uh, leave us be. But I just remembered. It's daylight saving time here on the coast. That plane leaves an hour earlier. <gasps> Buster, watch out! When I came to, there was Roman candles going off in my head, and Vera was tied to a chair with a towel stuffed in her mouth. Uh, the airplane ticket was going out of my wallet, of course, but I saw by my watch there was still time. Ten minutes later, we was in my car, Vera and me, and halfway to the airport. I took a shortcut up through the hills and kept the gas pedal flat on the floor. It was a while before Vera said anything. Buster, this will really blow up your stunt if you have Thompson pinched at the airport. No two-bit hood's going to push me around. Well, let's see if we can figure some way to, to get me on the plane quiet. And then after I've left, I'll... You nail Thompson. Forget it. Forget the stunt, doll. Now I'm out for blood. What time does that plane leave? I, I forgot. 11.40 daylight saving, 10.40 standard. Ah, uh, that Thompson... Claimed he came in on the other plane, not the one from Houston. No kidding. I said right off. You would have known if he was on the same plane as you. That's right, Buster. And then when I ask about the briefcase, he says it's dynamite. After you saw that $500 bill with a serial number. That's right, Buster. <laughs> Thompson didn't know the combination he was up against. Me and a sharp doll like you. That's right, Buster. You spotting that headline right off. And remembering that serial number, 100%, that's... Yeah, it's funny, though. What's funny? Well, that, that you couldn't remember your room number or the, the, the time the plane leaves. You, if you got the memory you say you have. That's right, Buster. Hey, it's you. It isn't, Thompson. You're the Texas hoodlum. This gun's loaded, Buster. Turn off at the next side road. You came on the Houston plane. You played me for a sucker. I played you for what you are. Step on it. Every last lead I got on Thompson, I got from you. If I ever trust another doll... You won't live to worry about it, Buster. Turn. Turn right here. Well, I'm kind of ticklish, so with Vera's gun nudging my ribs, I turn. It's an old car, pre-war. It sounded like it was splitting at the seams. 
she jabbed my ribs again, and I pushed the gas down and gave her everything she'd taken and... End of the road, doll. It's the cops. I don't see any cops. Oh! But you see, I got the gun, doll. You see that, don't you? <laughs> Old Josephine here. She has a lovely habit. You give her too much gas, she resents it. She backfires. Bang, bang, bang. Which is tough on a doll's nerves if she's, she's as jumpy as you are. Buster, look. You, you couldn't make a deal, could you? Say, 50 grand? Say, that wouldn't be ethical. Which was the truth, but not quite the whole truth. It was worth kissing 50 grand goodbye to turn Vera in after she conned me the way I did. Because one thing I can't stand, being taken over the hurdles by a doll. So that, that wound up the stunt. Hmm? Thompson? Oh, he took off, okay. And the doctor in Rio handled his case. His eyes are 100% now, without cheaters. Me? Well, this 4th of July, I have nothing on the docket. But have I dreamed up one whale of a stunt for Thanksgiving? I see what you think. The moviegoer who arrives at Grauman's Chinese exactly at midnight gets a free Mandarin's uniform... All the chops so he can eat. Suspense. Presented by Autolite. Tonight's star, Mr. Jack Carson. Tonight's suspense play was produced and edited by William Spear and directed by Norman MacDonald. Music for Suspense is composed by Rene Garagank and Lucian Morawieck and conducted by Lud Gluskin. The One Millionth Joe is an original play written for radio by Sylvia Richards. Jack Carson may currently be seen in the Columbia picture, The Good Humor Man. And don't forget, next Thursday, same time, Autolite will present Suspense, starring Kathy and Elliot Lewis. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Suspense, starring Jack Carson in the One Millionth Joe from June 22, 1950. It's heard on CBS. Hope you enjoyed that. It's time now for Bob Montana's comic strip brought to radio, Archie Andrews. Bob Hastings played the lead role on this series on radio, and uh, you're going to enjoy it. Let's go back to a broadcast date of November 11, 1950. This is called A Mouse in the House. Here's Bob Hastings as Archie Andrews. The Adventures of Archie Andrews. Yes, there he is again. The young civilians and readers of Archie Comics Magazine know and love so well Archie Andrews and all his friends. And now for our weekly visit to Riverdale. It's evening as we look in on the Andrews home. Late evening. We find the Andrews in the living room, but getting ready to go upstairs to sleep. Mrs. Andrews has just put out the empty milk bottles, closed the windows, and turned out the lights. And Mr. Andrews, however, is still asleep in his armchair, buried beneath his newspaper. Well, Fred, I guess we might as well go up now and go to sleep. Fred, I said we might as well go up and go to sleep. It's almost 10.30. Fred Andrews, give me that newspaper and answer me. <laughs> oh, for pity's sake, he's falling asleep right in that chair. Fred, wake up. Fred Andrews, wake up! 
What time is it? Am I late for work? Where's my shoes? Why is it so dark? For pity's sake, Fred, calm down. It isn't morning. It isn't? Well, then what did you wake me up for? I woke you up because it's time to go to sleep. <laughs> you woke me up because it's time to go to sleep? Now, Mary, what kind of sense does that make? You're not in bed, Fred. You fell asleep in your armchair in the living room. Well, who ever heard of waking people up so... I did? Oh. <laughs> I guess I did, didn't I? You certainly did. I couldn't let you sleep there in that chair all night, could I? No, dear, I guess not. I guess not. <sighs> what time is it? Almost 10.30. Oh, good grief. Time sure flies. Where's Archie? Oh, he went to bed an hour ago. Oh, well, let's just go up here. Did you lock up? Yes, dear. Everything is... Oh, dear. I left the kitchen light on. Huh? I left the light on in the kitchen. I'll go turn it out. All right, dear. Ooh, I sure won't mind getting to bed tonight. No, sir. I'm so tired. <laughs> Mary, what is it? Mary, I saw it. I saw it. Mary, Wait, I... Do something. Don't just stand there. Mary, I... For Pete's sake, will you calm down long enough to tell me what it is that's in there that I should do something about before it's too late for what? Fred, don't be silly. There's a mouse in there. A what? A mouse. I went in to turn off the kitchen light and the mouse ran right across the floor. Oh, is that all? Is that all? Fred, that mouse was as big as a cat. How big? Well, as big as a rat. How big? As big as a mouse. That's more like it. Now, Mary, look. Will you please? Nothing. Mary, will you please? I heard a scream, a horrible scream. It's all right. Mary, will you I please? I thought I was just dreaming it, but then I realized it was mom screaming. Archie! Are you... Are you... All right. So you heard a scream and it wasn't a dream. Now, I'm trying to talk to your mother. Do you mind? Gee, I don't mind. Thank you. You're welcome. Archie! <laughs> okay, Dad, okay. Okay. Now, there's nothing for you to get so excited about. Your mother just saw a mouse, that's all. She was a mouse? A real live mouse? Yes, a real live mouse. <gasps> Evidently, the cold weather is bringing the mice indoors. So, first thing tomorrow, I'll buy some mouse traps, and then I'll try to find out where they're getting in. Tomorrow? And... Tomorrow? Fred, what about tonight? Well, there's nothing we can do tonight, dear. It's late. Fred and Andrews, I... you think of something to do tonight. I will not get a minute's sleep all night knowing there's a mouse running loose in the house. Me too, Dad. But, Mary, I Fred? can't... I don't... Fred? I won't... Fred! I'll do something. <laughs> well, gee whiz, Dad, what are you going to do? Well, I... I suppose the only thing I can do is go get a broom and find the mouse and kill it. Kill it? Yeah. Mary, a minute ago you were screaming you didn't want a mouse running loose in this house. Now you're suddenly the local chapter of the SPCA. Well, Fred, I do want the mouse in the house, but isn't there some other way? Couldn't we get a mouse trap? And just where are we going to get a mouse trap at this hour? Well... Now, the only way is for me to get a broom and try to find the mouse. Even if I don't kill it, I can probably scare it away. All right, dear, but be careful. <laughs> careful of what? Well, I don't know. Just be careful. Oh, now, Mary, let me handle this. Oh, dear. Why did this have to happen now? Yeah, Dad will never catch that mouse. What we need is a mouse trap. Well, I know it, Archie. But where can we get one at this hour? Well, I bet if I called Jughead, they'd have a mouse trap we could borrow. 
Archie, they probably would, but you can't call them at this hour. Well, why not, Mom? This is an emergency, isn't it? And how many times has Jughead come over here in the middle of the night and gotten us all out of bed? Yes, I know. And we got to do something about that mouse. I'm going to call Jug. Well? Operator, get me Riverdale 674, please. Hope we don't wake up everyone over there. Oh, it's not so awfully late, Mom. They may still be up. I hope so. Hello? Archie, did I wake you? No, I'm still sound asleep. <laughs> well, gee, I'm sorry, Jug. I just... I was having the most wonderful dream. Oh, that's a shame, Jug. I, I... thought that was the only boy left in the world. Oh, yes, Jug. And one just... trainer, Betty Grable and Shelly Winters, would chase me across the desert. Jug, I just... And each one had an armful of diamonds, money, and hamburgers. Jug, I just... And I was running and running and running, and just when I decided to let them catch me, you called up. <laughs> Jughead, look, I'm sorry to have interrupted your dream, but it's very important. There's a mouse in the house, and we don't know what to do about it. Give it some cheese and tell it to go away. <laughs> Jug, this is no time to be funny. Do you have a mouse trap we could borrow? Sure. Could you bring it over? I might as well. The dream's gone now, anyway. But I hope that mouse appreciates all the trouble he's causing. Jug, I'll explain it to him when we catch him. Now hurry up and get over here. Uh, take the shortcut. Okay, okay. Bye. Bye. Is he bringing it over? Yes, Mom, right away. Has uh, has Dad seen the mouse yet? Well, I don't know. He's been awfully quiet out there. Oh, dear. I bet he got the mouse. Freya, did you get it? Did you kill it, Dad? Did you kill it? What happened? Oh, Mary, oh, I haven't even seen the mouse yet. What? Huh? I just couldn't get the broom out of the broom closet. Oh, oh, for pity's sake. You mean you made all that noise just getting the broom? Yes, the confounded thing was stuck in there with a the dustpan, the ironing board, and the scrub bucket, and 6,000 other things. <laughs> Finally lost my temper and yanked it out. Gee whiz, I bet that mouse is gone now, sure as anything. I'm sure it is, and a good thing, too. Now we can just forget about catching mice tonight and go to bed. But Fred, it might come back later. Mary, with the racket I just made, that mouse is halfway to Mouseville by this time. <laughs> he probably warned all his friends to stay away from the Andrews because they scare you to death over there. <laughs> well, Fred, this is no time for jokes. That mouse came into the house while we were both walking around down here, and if that didn't scare him away, then that noise won't either. Yeah, Dad, and besides, Jughead's on his way over here. Well, that's fine. I'll be glad to see him, and I... <laughs> Jughead is on his way over here. What the dick is for? Well, Fred... Don't we, we have to... enough trouble now without Jughead running around here? Oh, he won't be any trouble, Dad. He's bringing a mouse trap. Bringing a... <laughs> you mean you called him up on the telephone? Uh-huh. Oh, good grief. What on earth did you do that for? Well, I thought you we could You can't use... go around waking up half the town just because there's one little mouse in here. White Department of the United States Marines. <laughs> Maybe we ought to get an atom bomb for that poor little mouse. Huh? Fred, stop getting dramatic. Jughead's a friend of ours, and I'm sure it's no trouble for him to bring a mouse trap over here. And then we, all we have to do is set it and get to bed. I'm sure I'll sleep better if I know we have a trap set. Oh, Mary, sometimes I... Oh, gee whiz, I'll bet that's Jughead already. Oh, fine. Mary, why must you make such a big fuss over nothing? Fred, I'm sorry, but I just can't stand the thought of mice. And don't think about it. Fred, don't be funny and open the door. All right, I'm not being funny. I'm simply... Hello? Good grief, Jughead. What'd you expect, Cinderella? 
No, Jughead. I unfortunately expected you. Come on in. Hiya, Jug. Thanks a lot for coming over here so quick. Yes, Jughead. It was very sweet of you, and we wouldn't have troubled you. Uh, Mary, if I Mary, went... look, we can pay Jughead our deep debt of gratitude some other time. Right now, I want to catch that mouse and get to bed. Did you bring a mouse trap, Jughead? Uh-huh. An automatic mouse trap that my Uncle Herman invented. Yeah. Jughead, what are you talking about? Well, it's a great invention, Mr. Andrews, and it works well. Here, see? Jughead, this is nothing but an old cigar box. Sure. That's what makes it such a great invention. <laughs> what makes this an automatic mousetrap? Oh, it's simple. I'll, I'll show you. See, you open the box like this. Yeah. And when the mouse goes in here... Yes? You close the box and the mouse is automatically trapped. Oh, I see. <laughs> That's pretty clever. <laughs> automatically trapped. Drughead, do you now, mean to tell... Don't lose your temper. Temper, Mary, don't temper See, me. Jughead, I'll... that trap is no good at all. That's what everybody says. <laughs> so I put over another one. Another what? Mousetrap. The regular kind. Here. Well, that's better. For a minute, I was afraid you wanted us to use that cigar box nonsense. Well, this is more like it. <laughs> See, how does this gadget work? Well, you pull that wire spring way back... And hold it in place with this little hook here. Oh, hmm. all right. Well, there, there we are. Now, uh, we'll get some cheese, and that mouse is as good as out of business right now. Yeah, thanks a lot for bringing this over, Jack. Ah, uh, that's okay. We never use it. Oh, oh, my finger. Oh, my finger. Oh, oh. That's why we never use it. It always slips. Now he tells me. Oh, my finger, get it off. Get it off me. Hold still, Dad. Hold still and I'll open the trap. All right. Here, hurry up. Hurry Just up. lift this gadget up and there, take your finger out. Oh, thank heavens for that. Oh, Mary, that darn thing nearly killed me. Imagine what it would do to a mouse. Chuckhead, <laughs> oh, that's not very funny. And it wouldn't do a thing to a mouse if it won't stay open for two seconds. What's the idea of bringing a Fred, thing like... Fred, this is no time yes. to argue. Run upstairs and soak your finger in cold water before it gets all swollen. All right, Mary, all right. But you listen to me. You get that jughead and that trap out of this house before I come down here again. They're both a menace to life and limb. Oh, my poor finger. Oh. Gee whiz, I'm sorry about that, Mrs. Andrews. Oh, jughead, it wasn't your fault. Mr. Andrews is just being unreasonable. But, Mom, now what are we going to do about that mouse? Archie, I don't know. Maybe I'd better call Betty. And wake her, too? Oh, Betty won't mind, Mom. It's just next door. Oh, but I hate you. Oh, gee whiz, Mom, we got to do something. Operator, get me Riverdale 452, please. Tomorrow we better go out and buy a dozen mouse traps and keep them in the house. Yes, Mom, we sure should. Hello, Betty. This is Archie. Archie, Archie Andrews. What do you want? We got a mouse. Congratulations. (laughs) That's the first portion of Archie Andrews. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next time, it's the conclusion to Archie Andrews. Then it's part four of the Cobra King Strikes Back on Adventures by Morris. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.